What's good with y'all? Listen, this podcast is sponsored by none other than Niche Clothing. Go to nicheclothing.net. That's www.nicheclothing.net, which is spelled N-I-C-H-E, clothing.net. Put in my specific promo code, HHWL2023, and you can get 10% off of crew neck sweaters, sweatsuits, hoodies, t-shirts. We got all of that. We're going to have y'all right for the spring and the summer. That's www.nicheclothing.net. Promo code is HHWL2023. And remember, no niche is too small if it's yours. Cheer, cheer. Shout out to my Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts listeners, and my YouTube viewership. You heard? Yo, yo, what's up with it? You already know what it is. It's your boy, Philly TF, and you're now tuned in to the happy hour with my guy, Lido. Glasses in the air. Toast to a high power. Cause what you tuning in to right now is Lido's happy hour. Lido's happy hour, this is where it's at. Rolling uncut, we giving real facts. Educating, entertaining all the people. And when it comes to podcasts, it ain't none equal. Giving people knowledge, they can put in action. Holloway authentic, we ain't never capping. Exclusive interviews, cause we ain't never lacking. The other state is talking, and we bout the action. Huh. Glasses in the air. Toast to a higher power. This is Lito's happy hour. Welcome, welcome to Happy Hour with Lito Podcast. I am your host. My special guest today is none other than MMA veteran, goes by the name The Predator. So y'all know he don't play no games. All right. Mr. Patrick Cote, how you doing today, sir? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, I always like to tell my um, you know, my guests that. You know, I'm an advocate for um, mental health because of the times that we're in with everything that's going on with this COVID-19 and stuff like that. So I just want to check in with you and see how your mental is, um, you know, based on, you know, the the things that are going around in the world. Uh, you know, it's hard, man. It's it's tough for sure to deal with it. But uh, I always, always find, you know, I always try to find positive uh, things in every situation, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a guy who complain a lot. So uh, instead of complaining that I don't, I can't do that, I can do this, uh, I start doing something that you know I didn't have time to do it, like uh, taking like Spanish classes on the web and something like that. So you know, instead of going in depress and depression, uh, I'm trying to stay uh, to stay awake mentally and physically, staying in shape, running outside, and just uh, just doing some 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 things like that. 
did Canada have like a lot of like um, cases and things like that, like like we did here in the United States? Yeah, that was pretty rough, uh, especially for old people. Uh, you know, our uh, health system here is not the best. <laughs> and uh, for like maybe 10 years, they tried to patch, you know, holes left and right for the last 10 years. And now with this, uh, this pandemic, this thing, this virus, everything came back you know, on top and, you know, everybody got like, oh shit, we, we, uh, if we knew it, we, we would probably taking care of all the problems before, but now it's too late. And that's why that was pretty rough, especially for, you know, old people, you know, old house people, they, they're going, they're going there for uh, at the end of their life. Uh, it was pretty rough. And now the vaccine is coming. Uh, we are a little bit late uh, if we compare to uh, the, the rest of the world, but we're going on the right way. Now y'all have free healthcare, right? Yeah, it's it's free. For sure, it's not like US, uh, but you know, it's it's part of our tax. We pay uh, every year. It's kind of a, a free, but it's high. It's a kind of hiding free. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but for sure, it's cheaper than US. For sure. Cool. Well, you know, I'm glad that you know you're in a good headspace. I know me myself. You know. Um, I've been in school this whole time, you know, since the pandemic has been going on. So it's like, I've been in the house just trying to focus, um, get outside whenever I can. But in the beginning, you know, we were so afraid. We didn't know, you know, you go outside, can you go outside? You know, um, is it, is it, they were saying it was airborne at first. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, like, what, you know. And you know what, you know what, especially here, here we have, uh, we can go outside after eight o'clock, after 8 p.m. Oh, okay. We have we are the only part of America. It's like that, and everybody is freaking out right now because everybody is angry towards the government because it's it's a nonsense. But if uh, you know authorities got you outside after eight p.m., you're gonna have like a ticket. You're gonna have uh, you know uh, something to to pay because uh, it's 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 not a law, but it's uh, they they. They, they do that because they wanted to keep control about, you know, uh, the, the, the movement of, of the population. But uh, I hope soon it's going to it's going to it's going to be done. Well, our, our um, we actually they just actually lifted our um, curfew. Mm -hmm. And but we had a curfew probably the last four or five months. I just lifted it. It was 10 o'clock. They give us at least till 10. And mm -hmm. then please. Yeah. And now, you know, if you get caught outside, you know, after 10, you know, at that time, if the police, I think most of the time, the police, you know, they may stop you just to ask you, hey, where are you going? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and <laughs> you better be going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to check the address for sure. <laughs> so for for uh, for those who, you know, who may not know who you are, I know who you are. <laughs> but for those who may not know who you are, you know, tell us a little bit about um, life before, you know, MMA, before UFC and things of that nature? Uh, before MMA, uh, you know, was born in a very small village in, uh, called in Rimouski here in Quebec. It's very, uh, it's very, very small. And uh, I used to live with only one, my mother. And, uh, and you know, we, we, we had a very hard time when, uh, when I was young. We, we live under, you know, the poetry system. So that was, it was really hard, but um, you know, uh, that's, I thought, 
I think that's why I'm so resilient today, you know, especially with my, my personal life, but everybody who know my, my road as a professional athlete, you know, that was like roller coaster, but I always had tried, I always tried to, to find a way to get back on top. So I think that's why, that's why I was able to do that because of that, because I always, uh, always work uh, since like I'm 10 years old, you know, I always try to help my mother to, 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 to have a good life. And, uh, and at 19 years old, I joined the army, the Canadian army. I served in Bosnia in 2002. And in 2004, I started doing, uh, trying to doing MMA full time because at that time in 2004, I was very underground still. Uh, but you know, the rest is history, you know, it turned pretty well. Great. Wow. You said you was in, you were into, you were in the army. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, for seven years, for seven years in, uh, in the infantry uh, with the Royal Vendouzian Regiment in uh, Quebec City. And uh, yeah, 2002, we went to Bosnia to, uh, to oversee, uh, oversee trip, not trip, but try to, to help the, the, the country to, to rebuild and uh, put him back, you know, the law in order and all those things. So yeah, it was uh, seven months. I didn't even know you. So you, you, you went to the army at 16. Uh, not 16, 18. 18, okay, gotcha. Okay. 18, 19, yeah. 18, 19. Until, uh, until 24. Gotcha. So what introduced you to, or what, did you see a UFC that made you want to try out MMA, or did you just say, let's try this out? I think everybody who started to do MMA at that time, first of all, it wasn't MMA. There was extreme fighting, there was mm -hmm. ultimate fighting, there was cage fighting. It wasn't the name of that. MMA didn't exist at that time. Uh, and everybody started doing that, you know, because they saw like uh, a video cassette of the first UFC, the Ken Shamrock and all those things. Right. So that was like very intriguing. And, you know, like every little boys are, you know, I, I like to, to, to just to, to fight with my, my cousin, my friends and stuff like <laughs> that. And, uh, and I was starting to doing boxing and I saw that. And I was like, man, I'm gonna try it. It looks fun. Looks uh, looks different. Looks violent, but <laughs> you know, it looks like a very big high rush of adrenaline. And uh, yeah, I start that. And my first amateur fight I did in 1999. I lost very bad. You know, I got like ass kicked. You know, I got very <laughs> beat bad. But I fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with the sport. And uh, after that, I start to. Uh, to train more seriously and uh you know being less cocky because <laughs> i thought it would be easy i thought that would be easy oh that's easy you go in the cage you you just fight and i uh, just realized at that time that was that was not like that gotcha okay so your first fight in the ufc actually came um because you you replaced guy metzger right yeah he fell out for whatever reason um and yeah you had stroke to... oh wow okay yeah it Oh, wow. And um, you had to fight Tito. Um, talk about, you know what I mean? Like getting that call, you know, to, to tell you, you got to step in on what, four days, four days notice. Yeah. Four days. That was, uh, you know, it's only real situation. You know, I think I'm the only one who fought the first fight in the UFC on the main event. Uh, you know, it's, it's with no background. Uh, that was, that was kind of insane. 
first of all, I was supposed to fight Marvin Eastman on the first fight of, of the prelim. So I was supposed to fight on that card anyway. But four days before, Gaimes Gur got a stroke. Gaimes Gur was fighting Tito Ortiz. And at that time, the UFC wasn't like today. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't afford to lose, you know, Tito Ortiz, a fight. Because everybody was coming in Atlantic City to see Tito Ortiz fight. Mm-hmm. So they had to put somebody in front of him. And trust me, I was the last one, the last one who called, for sure. So they tried <laughs> to call everybody before me. Everybody said no. And it was like, okay, we're going to try to call, you know, this, this, uh, this chubby Canadian at that time. <laughs> and he's going to fight Marvin Eastman. They, they probably asked Marvin Eastman before me. And he said no. And I was the last the last one, we took the phone and we said, hey, why not? This is, I can't go in the UFC, uh, you know, in a, in a bigger, by a bigger door than, than, than that. You know, it's, that was kind of unreal. Tito Ortiz was one of my idols at that time. It was on my screensaver of, of my computer. <laughs> I called, I called my dog Tito a year and a half before this fight because I was a golden retriever. He, he, was, he, he was blonde like, like Tito. So, Theo was re- already in my head. And when they call, like, okay, let's go. And, you know, the thing that did help me a lot, it's that was only four, four days before. I didn't have time to think about it. I didn't have time to, to get nervous about it, to think about, oh, shit, I'm going to fight my idol. I'm going to fight Tito this. I'm going to fight this fat head. It's, you know what I mean? You know, it was huge. And, you know, I wasn't in the, the good weight class in a way. You know, in, in Canada, like if you wait, I was okay. You know, I was a light heavyweight Canadian champion, but in, in international, I was a very small light heavyweight. And when, when you see the fight against Tito, man, I looked like a kid. You know, I was a kid, but I looked like a baby. You know, I'm very, very small. And he's a big dude too. Uh, and, uh, and we fought, you know, I wasn't supposed to, to stay there no longer than 30 seconds. And uh, I lost my decision. Actually, right. that's the, that's the that's the best thing that happened to me, mm-hmm. losing that fight by, by decision, because at that time I wasn't at that level, I wasn't in the good weight class, and you know I always say that I lost the fight but I won the night. You know everybody after knew who I was, and can you imagine that? Because at thirty second of the first round I rocked him and I rocked mm-hmm. him. He was on his knee in front of me, but can you imagine if I win like that? You know, at that time, Tito Ortiz was still the poster boy. I'm in the wrong weight class. I'm a small light TV weight, but I knocked Tito Ortiz out after you have Vito Belfort, Chuck Liddell, or Randy Couture. Seriously, I'm sorry, but I'm fucked. Yeah. Seriously, I'm in a big, big trouble. So losing like that, giving a good performance, and, uh, you know, just just made my name over the Tito's name. That was That was the perfect night. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so you know, in the beginning, remember they didn't even have weight classes, <laughs> like first UFC, what one and two, and things yeah. of that nature. Um, did you have to cut a lot of weight for the for the fight at all with Tito? Tito? Yeah. <laughs> at at that time, I thought I was I was <laughs> I was cutting weight. Uh, you know, I think I thought I got five pounds. I don't know, uh, and I didn't know. You know, even at that time, nobody knew. You know a lot about you know dehydration, nutrition, 
taking care of uh, of the uh, of us of our body that was more raw you know so i thought i thought i was i was cutting weight but you know today it's i, I found out funny because you know when i at the end of my career i was fighting at 170 and i was cutting like 22 23 pounds in 18 hours so that's cutting weight <laughs> yeah yeah you're right so what discipline um you know kind of you feel like helped you um you know while you were in the in ufc you think it was you know more so you enjoy wrestling or do you enjoy you know kickboxing or you just like every learning everything uh my background is boxing so in in the entire of my career i always try to stay the fight uh, to keep the fight on my feet all the time uh i like to to, to stop my feet and bang i like to i like to exchange and uh, no, i had a, a good chin and uh you know power in my hands so that, that was my style but uh you know at the certain point of my career you know i was more i was too unidimensional you know what i mean so right now you can't be like that so i started to you know really improve my ground game and my wrestling always it was always my weight my weakness until maybe the last three years of my career you know i start to really upgrade my wrestling and i did everything in not in a good order that the thing that that's what i said it's if you ask me today about your kid or about anybody i have to start with what i will say start with wrestling it's wrestling that it's the most important thing in mma right now it's wrestling after that boxing ground game you you got you're gonna build your your style around around the wrestling but it's it's the most important thing and uh you were on season four of the ultimate fighter those are classic yeah. that you got behind <laughs> you those are classic right there um you know talk about that experience of being in the house and you know how that that whole thing went listen uh i was 26 years old and for me that was an amazing experience you know i didn't have any attach i didn't have any uh, girlfriend no kids uh yet and you know, at 22 years old, I served six months in Bosnia. So at 26 years old, I'm stuck in a million mansion house in Vegas, training twice a day with Randy Couture, George St. Pierre, Matt Hughes, eating 40 bucks steak every night. For me, I was in paradise. I was like, man, okay, that's okay. You don't have you don't have music, you don't have TV, you don't have contact with outside world, but Hey, I was there to to make my name and finally having a career in the UFC. And for me, that was that was that was a fantastic experience. <laughs> so y'all didn't have TVs, a camera crew Nothing. in your face every day. Uh, every day, and uh, you know they they wanted to, us to 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 do some damage. You know, there's a it was it's a lot of booze, a lot a lot of booze in the house. <laughs> Uh, the only thing they ask you, it's not breaking any windows, but uh, you can, I don't know, you can flip the couch, uh, you, you can destroy the wall. They don't care. Uh, just <laughs> not breaking any, any window because it's uh, of the injury. But the reason why you don't have anything with you, no music, no book, no nothing, is because they want you to, to, to talk with each other. They want, you know, action. They want discussion. They want fight they want they, they they want drama it that's reality show that's that's what it is 
who was the uh the the problem child of the of the the house uh it's it wasn't it was a problem but at the same time it was very funny shoney carter shoney carter it's out of his mind uh <laughs> you know out of his mind and especially when he lost his fight because i don't know if it's like that uh, still but at that time the losers was staying in the house mm. so you know if you're supposed to fight you know in two days and you want to you want to rest you want to sleep but there's 10 guys who hey they already lost they don't care so the only thing they want to do it's getting drunk and put the music loud and uh and shorty garter was one of the best of that he was he, he did some crazy thing that i didn't expect you know i, I couldn't imagine that uh shorty carter what it was doing you know he did like a raft a raft with plastic bottle uh he was doing some kata with uh with the with a saber it was listen that was that was really uh That was a that was a weird experience with Shoney, but that's why he was in the reality show. You know that he, he made a, he made a good show. I never understood why Shoney just didn't put on some pants, man. Put some pants on or something, bro. Uh, us too. <laughs> we we don't know. We have no idea. Uh, but that was that was his style, man. He he liked his speedo. <laughs> <laughs> And then, did you make any like any close friends from that? Yeah, Matt Serra and I were still very, very close. Uh, you know, we 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 talk almost. I love every, Matt Serra, man. Uh, he's he's amazing. Dean Thomas too. Dean Thomas, Chris Lytle. Uh, but I'm very, I'm I'm more close with with Matt Serra. When I fought Alessio Sakura, my last fight at 185, I went to uh, to New York to uh, to do my my training camp over there with Matt Serra. I'm uh, very, really, uh, I'm close with to him, and uh, he's a uh, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, Matt Sarah is a great guy. Um, so your nickname, the Predator, like did someone give it to you, or or does it have any kind of significance of of anything outside of MMA, or maybe when you were in the army or anything like that? No, the thing is, when I start doing that, I was really really bad. You know, I wasn't supposed to be a professional athlete. You know, I didn't, I wasn't born to do that. You know, I didn't have any. Uh, you know, uh, skills of that, you know, natural skills. And, uh, but I wanted to do it. So I was, I'm very stubborn. So I want, I wanted to, to train and getting better. And uh, after every training, I was over. I was, I was, I wanted to all the time to have a, a new training partner to, to still training. And they called me Predator because I wanted always a, a new prey. So that's my, from my first team from Quebec City, uh, Team Union. They gave me that, that nickname. That's dope. So uh, what would you say um, is your most memorable fight? It's hard, man, because, you know, I I did reach a pinnacle of, you know, of any MMA career that I fought for the UFC gold, you know, for against Anderson Silva. It's And it's because it's against Anderson Silva. At that time, he was on the top of the food chain. He was untouchable. And I was still able just to, to dance with him, you know. Unfortunately, I got, I got hurt, but, you know, I'm not saying I was winning the fight, but I wasn't losing that fight either. Uh, in my I, mind. That was going to be my next but, question. We, it was going to be about <laughs> that fight too. Yeah, but I don't know because I had so many special moments in, in, in the cage, in the octagon. My first fight against Tito, it's hard to beat that. But at the same time, I fought for the title. You know, the, my, the dream of every MMA fighter. Um, I was able to get back in the UFC. They, you know, they fired me in 2010 
And I worked very hard to get back in 2012 uh, in one of the biggest show uh, of the history against Kong Lee. Uh, listen, uh, it's hard for me. And a lot of people ask me that. It's hard for me to just to, to choose one moment that it's one of my favorite. It's, you know, the, the entire career, you know, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's great. I just interviewed Kung Lee too. I should have asked him about y'all's fight. <laughs> actually, actually he broke his foot on my head. So I was pretty, I lost the fight, but I was pretty happy. I was, <laughs> he, he, told, he told me that in backstage. He said, man, you have a hard head. I was like, what do you mean? He said, I broke my foot on your head. I said, oh yeah, good for you, man. You beat me. <laughs> So the Anderson Silva fight, um, you got injured. And, you know, most people will say, you know, that, um, you know, they have those injuries that just happen all of a sudden. Like that day, they're like, something just didn't feel right going into the fight or something didn't feel, something felt weird. Like my, something was off. So I knew something was going to happen. Did you feel like something was off that day or were you fine? No, I was totally fine. The thing, uh, it, what happened actually, it's in the second round. I switched stance. I went to softball and I'm not, you know, I'm more an orthodox fighter. I'm, and I just wanted to, to mix it up with, the, with his head a little bit and try to, to find a hole because <laughs> I, I, I went, you know, I went forward. He was on my back. I went on my back. He was on the side. I was, man, stop moving. <laughs> so I tried yeah. just to, to, to find a new way and I slipped. On the on the the logo in in the center of the octagon, I slip on, on the, the 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 sponsor logo, and my my leg, my right leg, went on hyperextension, and I felt like a snap. Pah! I was like, oh shit, man! Can you? I I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? This is this is the biggest moment of my career, and I you know I had a, a lot of wars before that fight. Mm-hmm. Never. Never go out on a fight with big injury. You know, scars or caught us, doesn't matter. But in the title fight, I knew it at that, I knew it right away that I was my knee was fought. My knee was was done. And between the, the second and third round, I said to my coach, I said, Man, my knees, my knees over. My knees done, man. He said, Okay, what do you want to do? You wanna you wanna throw a towel? You want you want? I said, listen. I'm going in third round. I'm going to try to, to, to go with the Hail Mary. I'm going to try something, and we'll see what's going to happen. And as soon as I put all my weight on my right leg, I felt my shin and my, my knee went side to side. And you know, everybody just – everything just exploded. And I was like, man, I can't believe it. You know, bad luck and bad time. <laughs> that was that. Yeah, and he was – I mean, and he wasn't doing anything to really – I mean – yeah, he was winning the fight, like you said, but he wasn't being dominant. I mean, it was those those, those next. You know, if you didn't get hurt, that that could have yeah. been different. You know what I mean? But listen, uh, our strategy was to go, especially in the third round. We wanted to open it a little bit more in the third round because uh, we were the, the 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 first one to go in the third round with the with the Anderson Silva the UFC. So there was a new uh, there was a new situation for him. Uh, and he's a really, really good counter puncher. So in the first, in the first two rounds, we didn't want it to to run after him, right? Because we watch a lot of tapes, and we watch, and everybody who fought him before, they tried to to be very aggressive uh, right away, 
and they they all get caught in in counter counter punching. They all go they all get caught like that. So we we're like, okay, we're not gonna show him that we are impressed or something like that because we, we weren't. Uh, and I was like, man, this, you know, if he knocked me out anyway, I will not remember it. So <laughs> we go it, and we're not we're not going to, we're going to show him respect, but we're gonna we're gonna force him to respect us too. So we took the center of the octagon right away and trying to, to, to keep the pace on our pace. And everybody, everything went well. Uh, I think at the end of the first round, uh, it got me really, really good. But my, I, once again, my shin, thank you. <laughs> my shin is pretty, pretty strong. So I was still there. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to, to open it a little bit more in the third round. And I knew it because uh, in the second, between the second and third round, I watched the camera and I was like, that third round, everybody thought that uh, wasn't possible, but I was there. But at the same time, I knew it, my knee was done. You think, um, do you think Anderson Silva is the greatest um, of all time? Uh, he's, it's, it's hard for me. It's, it's not because he's, he's Canadian, he's one of my friends, but for me, being the greatest of all time, it's more than just what you do inside the octagon. For me, it's, you know, a complete athlete inside and outside the octagon, what you did for the sport. If you, if you did help the sport to grow um, and never get caught. And for me, it's it, the greatest of all time. It's still, it's still GSP because of all what I said. Uh, it's not, for me, greatest of all time, it's not all about the skills. It's not all about the win or the wins or the loss. It's about everything. And when I think it like that, it's it, it, it's George. Yeah, I had a, I, George and um, Anderson were, were my one and two. And mostly, you know, the thing that I hated about Anderson, I liked, I loved watching him fight, but I felt like he played a lot. You know, he would mm -hmm. walk around and then walk this way and then do all this unnecessary stuff. Like, I think that that's why he lost the belt the first time to um, Chris Weidman. Oh, big time, big time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have beat line. him easily. Yeah. He could have beat him easily. There's a line you can cross about being cocky. I don't I, I don't mind, you know, fighting being cocky. Uh, if you're able to back what you say, or if you're able to perform, but there's a line you can cross. And in that fight, it did cross that line. It, he lost respect for his opponent. And you can be favorite a million against one on paper. When the bell ring inside the cage, two men, four ounces love, anything can happen. And that's a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I watched it. I think I watched it again here recently. And um, Chris Weidman was, even though Chris Weidman kind of um, knew in the back of his mind that he could beat him, he was, you know, fighting Anderson Silva sometimes psychs people out. So when he yeah. was in there with him, it was kind of, he he looked like he was kind of starstruck at first. Like, you know, Anderson was leg kicking him. Chris didn't want to throw no punches. So then Anderson starts his old cockiness and he yep. he just got caught. I mean, it wasn't like a clean shot that he got hit with. He, he, sw he was swinging his arms. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. So, um yeah, that's yeah, the you're, totally, you're totally right about that. That's that's what I said. You know, there's a line you can't you can't go over because if you go over that that line, you lost 
uh, you know, your strategy, you lost your, your mind inside the cage. That's exactly what happened. He tried to do, tried to, to be too much cocky. You know, he tried to, to disrespect Chris Weidman. But Weidman stayed focused. He didn't lose his mind. He stayed, he stayed composed and uh, he caught him. Yeah. And George, he's, all, he's always been a complete fighter to me. Um, George is, uh, he's a hell of a, he's a hell of a fighter. Everything, he, everything he does, man. I mean, he just, he just, he has every, he has total package. He can do everything. Yeah. And that another thing too, he did help, you know, the sport to grow, you know, right today, USCDA, USCDA is there because of him. You know, this is very, him and, and Habib are probably the, the, the only two fighters who did everything they wanted when they wanted uh, in this in this in this sport in this organization you know going head to head with that with Dana White going head to head with the organization George left four years and he came back in title fight under his own turn he won the fight and that's it I'm done <laughs> it's he did he did everything he wanted to do you know it's it that's that's very uh, special to do that against you know, a big company like that. Uh, and you know what, that, that's why that's, he, he, he did so much for the sport, for the organization. So that's why for me, he's, he's the greatest of all time. Gotcha. Couple more questions. Um, you were a coach on Ultimate Fighter Nations. Talk about that experience of being a coach, coaching your own team and things of that nature. Man, it's a lot more work than just being a fighter. <laughs> you, have, you have to put some. For sure, you you can't go out uh, after the gym. You know, it's, you, you're not stuck in the house. You have a normal normal life uh, after. But uh, you know, you have to go to the gym twice a day. You have to put training together. Uh, you have to to take care of your fighters. You have to choose fight. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of thinking, but that was fun. Uh, that was, that was really fun. And, uh, you know, I had a really, you know, I brought a nice crew with me too. And, uh, you know, we were living in a very nice house in, right in the middle of the a village of Saint Silver, you call it here. You know, we had, we had a good time. You know, it was a blast. <laughs> we had a really, really good time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. You know, I'm not going to lie. There's a couple of training in the morning. I was a little bit hangover. <laughs> 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 um is there a fight that didn't happen for you that you wish that you could you could have oh yes uh you know a couple maybe maybe three uh the first one it's against robbie lawler uh for me robbie is one of my favorite fighter of all time and i'm a big fan of robbie and he very he came very close that we were supposed to fight and i don't know what happened i don't remember but uh, something happened and the fight didn't happen. Uh, and uh, yeah, Robbie Lawler, you know, was, will be a, you know, a very a big honor to share the cage with him. You know, he's, he's one of my favorites. And his style with my style, that's the fight of the night right there, mm -hmm. <laughs> for right. sure. sure. Uh, you know, it's more, it's more against, you know, guys from, from my era, like Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, you know, all those guys, you know, because of their style with, you know, if you mix that with my style, for sure, it's a, it's a win-win situation for, especially for the fans. I agree. Yeah, those fights would have all, would have all been dope. Um, did you get a chance to check uh, check out UFC 259? 
Yeah, but actually, uh, I'm the French Joe Rogan. You know, since uh, 12 years, I'm the official French voice of the UFC. So I comment uh, every every fight since uh, 2008. So for sure, I saw I saw every fight. Oh, that's dope. Okay, I didn't see yeah. some that I that I've learned now. I didn't know that. That's dope. <laughs> That's dope. Okay. What you think about Izzy moving up so fast, you know, from, from middleweight to light? Cause uh, Jan was already a bigger light heavyweight, you know, yeah. when, he weighed, when he weighed in, okay. He weighed in at 205, but the next day he probably was around 220, 225. Izzy. Yeah, Izzy was probably, he weighed in at 201. I don't think he gained any weight. Nah, no, nah, he was on uh, his natural weight. And I think it was a good strategy for him, you know, not, not, putting more weight you know is he, that's his normal weight he's very agile uh, he's fast but i was a little bit uh disappointed about his performance you know because he was he was very shy you know he didn't he, he didn't do easy style you know he was very very patient i don't know if something happened i don't know you know at the at the beginning of the fight if he felt the power of bovich and he just oh shit okay i don't want to get cut but that was uh we were waiting. We were waiting about something happen. I was like, okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Okay. And, you know, it was not able to go on the second gear. Uh, that's, I think that's why, uh, that's why Bovich won. Uh, Bovich did a great job in the fourth and fifth round going with the takedown. That was a very smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, he's a bigger dude. He's a BJJ black belt too. So his position on the ground was, was great in the half guard. That's one of the best position if you if you're not a full mount you you want to be in half guard because it's it's easier to keep the position uh so he did a really smart fight Bovich. but at the end of the day i think it's more at this i lose that fight that Bovich win that fight i agree i agree with you i think it was the leg kicks he kicked the leg and he and and jan checked a couple After yeah probably yeah and and he got caught with a couple jabs I was very shocked that Bovich was able to jab him like that, and he was he was kind of fast for a big dude, Bovich with it, with his jab. I think Adesanya got maybe a little bit surprised about that too. Uh, I don't know. He he looks. I don't want to say lost, but he looks confused about what he wanted to do. You know, if you start thinking during a fight, it's over. He's, you're not gonna win. It's you're gonna be slow. Gonna be like always one second late uh, on your opponent. It's it's gonna it's gonna be like that. So if you start to think, and I think what it, it that's exactly what happened with Edison in that fight. Um, last question: the the Peter Jan and um and um Aljamain Sterling, yeah. That fight was going so well before the illegal knee. Um, they were saying that his corner told him. To do it, yeah. Uh, listen, I have a lot of things to, to say about that about, about that fight. Okay, I, don't, I hope you have time. Yeah, I have uh, time. I have okay. time. Yeah. Okay. First of all, first of all, there's uh, you know Sterling got a lot of hate for that win because everybody was like, okay, he's faking. He's 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 he's, he's, he's it's too much. You know, it, it's not he's not very hurt. But at the you know at the beginning, the first thing. That was an illegal knee. So that's not, even if it, even it's turning fake, it's from Peter Yan, you know, fault. That's why the fight is over. It's not because Sterling fake or not. It's because it was illegal, illegal knee. 
one thing. Second thing, that we saw that the camera in the corner of Peter Yan. That was the first time Peter Yan uh, trained with American top team for, for a fight. Mm -hmm. uh, that was Mako Damata was there, uh, head coach of ETT. And it was two other coach speaking Russian. You know, the coach, normally coach of, of Peter Yan. Damata, you can see it. He said, only punch. You can only punch it. Only punch. And it was like hesitation about Peter Yan. And he, he, he checked in his corner. And in, in the situation like that, in the action, you're always going back in your instinct of some, the first thing you learned. So for sure, he did learn, he, he did heard the Russian advice before the English advice. And Nomagomedov said to DC that he heard in his corner in Russian, yes, kick him, kick him, no problem. So that's why he lent the knee. Again, for me, this rule should be changed. Mm -hmm. For me, you have to protect yourself of all time. Because that rule, first of all, they call that unified rule. That's not unified rules. There's, there's, the, the rules is different like state by state. You know, sometimes you need two hands on the ground. Sometimes you need one hand. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need a knee. It's very confusing for fighters, trainers, uh, 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 ref, commentators. It's, it's very mm -hmm. confusing for everybody. And a lot of fighters play with that team. They're going to try to trap their opponent for a fault by putting a hand down or not. Putting a hand down. That's, that's not that's unsportsmanship. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that, that's not like that. So for me, they should, they should allow me on their head, uh, on the ground, because that's a technique that you can win fight with. Uh, why I'm saying that, it's like stomp kick. I hate fucking stomp kick. I, I, I don't understand why stomp kick, it's still legal. Because mm -hmm. you can't win a fight with stomp kick. It's just, it just hurt your opponent to hurt your opponent. You know what I mean? Even if you stomp kick, if you stomp my, my toes, you broke five of my toes, I don't care. I'm not going to tap out. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. just, just try to injure your opponent just, just for fun. But me on, the, on me on the head, you can knock out your opponent. You can improve your your uh, your position if your opponent, uh, you know, defend yourself, defend himself with with the knee, and it's gonna be a lot easier to understand the rules about that. So for me, you know, I, I would want to uh, to to this this rule change and allow the knee on the on the ground uh, on the head. Yeah, I mean that that knee was. I mean, as soon as he took it though, I I knew. Oh, that was clean. That was clean. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, as soon as he took it, I said, "Oh, this is this is over." <laughs> yeah, and you know another thing too. It's uh, I think the, the corner man of you know Matsero wasn't there. No, he wasn't. Matsero wasn't there, and I I'm sure if Matsero was there, uh, Aljamain not going in the interview after. Aljamain yeah. is, is keeping a little bit. You know, shy. You know, he's 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 keeping it low. Uh, but after they let him go to the the, the interview, he looks fine. Uh, after that, you can see him taking picture with the belt. He looks fine. I'm not saying he was faking or not. It's 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 not that. But if you know, if you uh, 
if you don't want any hate of anybody, and if you didn't fake or if you fake, try try to to be careful about that. And if you got concussion, if you got knockout, your cornerman, your team need to manage that, need to take care of you and not letting you not letting you talk to camera. They have yeah. to take care of you. Even if that was a title fight, I don't care. My my guy got a concussion. I'm right. going to take him in the locker room. I'm going to take care of him. I agree. I, I don't think he should have been in front of that camera at all. Um, because now he just did an interview with uh, Brett um, Akimoto. And um, Brett said he didn't know whether to call him the champion or not. He didn't know how he felt about it. But then he started asking him about things that he said in front of the camera and stuff like that. And he's like, well, I don't remember, you know, I don't really remember everything I said. Well, that's the point. He shouldn't. That's the point. Yeah, he should have never been in front of the camera anyway. They should have grabbed him. Like you said, if Matt was there, Matt wouldn't have allowed him to do that to himself. I'm sure. And then he goes and he he does a stare down with with Henry Cejudo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a lot of things like that. That's it's very. How can I say that? It's it's confusing. Yeah. It's confusing. And if you do that, if you do things like that after what happened in the fight, you know, you're gonna you're gonna receive you will receive a lot of hate for sure. You know, you run after it. So, but don't forget, he's a champ today because Yan did an illegal, illegal thing. That's that's why. So that's Peter Yan's fault. Mm-hmm. But all the hate. It's on Ultimate Sterling back. They're going to run it back, and I'm sure, you know, it's going to be a high, you know, people are going to pay. I mean, oh, yeah, like crazy to, to see them fight again. I think he should have Matt Sarah in his corner if he's able, though. Um, I think he would have done so a little too. better. I think he would have done a little better. Um, I think so, too. Uh, probably it was, you know, something uh, Matt Sarah couldn't be there. But, uh, yeah, Matt Sarah is uh, – He's a great coach. He's, he, he's, he's a character, but he has, you know, a very, very, very good fighting IQ too. So, and you can't buy that. You can't train that. It's by, it's by experience. All you right. can have fighting IQ. And that's what uh, Matt Sarah bring on the table. Right. Um, and then um, what about, did how do you feel about Amanda fighting? Do you think there's any girl that can beat her? No, nobody. Uh, especially at 145, I think this that division will be will be over soon. Uh, you know, a lot all fighters at 155, 145, except Megan Anderson. You know, with a little bit discipline about nutrition, they can make 135. Okay, <laughs> Megan Anderson is different. She's a huge girl. She's you know she's big, uh, but too bad for her. You know, there's and she's not even under contract they see anymore. So yeah, there's four yeah. girls, four girls or five girls, I think so, in the in that division. Doesn't make any sense. And then at 135, uh, Amanda Nunes, I don't know, nobody. Even if Junia Pena said she don't want to fight me because she's scared, please come on. <laughs> Juliana though, she can fight though. But yeah, um... she can fight. But do you remember her last fight? She was getting beat bad before she pulled the submission at the end. I know true. she. So, and listen, and I'm not a big fan of putting oil 
on a fire was really like big. That's what I what I mean. It's you know, Amanda Nunes doesn't need motivation. Yeah. But if you if you <laughs> if you go against her and you say and you talk that and just been, I think last, yesterday she said vacant the bantam weight belt if you want to stay fat. I was like, oh man, you you're running against a murder right now. You know, <laughs> yeah. don't do that because if she's come she's gonna come back and uh, she's gonna she's gonna you gotta pay for it for sure. And I don't see any girl and I don't see in Julia Pena beat Amanda Nunes. Nobody can beat her. I, yeah. She's a monster. Um, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's she's definitely. I mean, uh, I thought Megan was going to do better than she did, though. I can't me say too. that. Yeah, I me mean, too. Make it a fight. I mean, geez. I don't even think yeah. she threw anything. Did she throw? <laughs> she might have threw maybe two punches. Yeah, maybe a, a very shy leg kick, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I thought I thought that Megan will use more her reach, more movement, more more footwork. But uh, you know what? It's even if you say a lot of things before a fight, when you're in front of Amanda Nunes, you're like, okay, I may I may be taller than her, but I felt tiny because there's you no, know, there's a kind of aura of invincibility of her, around her. She's so in control of her emotion, of her game, of her confidence. It's hard to go over that. If you're, if you're not very strong mentally and you're able to, to deal with that, it's over, man. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, one thing that I saw um, when I seen her fight Rhonda, you know, Rhonda was looking all mean and then um, Amanda was smiling <laughs> right yeah. before they started. And she just yeah, heat off on her. <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. The, the only thing that can get Amanda Nunes right now, it's her motivation. Because I was like, okay, how can you be motivated fighting German Durandami and Megan Anderson when you freaking beat the hell of Cyborg, Holmes, Nunes, uh, um, Holmes, uh, Misha Tate, and Ronda Rousey. And after that, you're like, okay, I'm going to go against German Durandami. I was like, now she yeah, did have a okay. nice fight with Valentina, though. Valentina, you know. Yes, La um, her last fight, last fight against Valentina was a split decision. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but she beat, she only beat her uh, twice. Yeah. And uh, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, Shevchenko uh, next fight against uh, Jessica Andrade, because that's the same thing. I went to one twenty-five pounds. There's nobody who can beat Valentina Shevchenko, yeah. Yeah. but now there's Jessica Andrade who moved up weight class. And now she can she can give she can give her a really good fight. I, I'm very interested to see that. Uh, but the fight I want to see it's Shevchenko win, Woody Zhang win against Nama Yunus, and you do a super fight against Woody Zhang and Valentina Shevchenko. That that's the fight I want to see. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. That'd be a good fight. I hope Joanna comes back, um, you know, and does something too. I, I love watching yeah. Joanna fight. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see, uh, if, uh, Francis can beat Stipe, you know, to, you know, if what he learned from that first fight, mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, everybody remembered that this first fight, he got out wrestled. That's, yeah. That's, that's pretty bad. It, you know, everybody knows that he has a lot of power, uh, a lot of power. <laughs> right. Uh, there's one thing you don't want to do and you want to, 
You don't want to receive in life. It's uh, it's an uppercut for us in the game. You don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting if he's uh, you know, he upgrade his his wrestling, um, especially you know his defense defense against the takedown. But if he is able to keep the fight on the speed, uh, I think he has a good chance. Do you think? Last question. Do you how you feel about John going up to to heavyweight? Do you think he can do? I mean, because I was talking to um Bert Watson, um and Bird, my man. Yeah, my man Bird. Bird's man. a great, great person. I just did an interview oh, with him yesterday. Bird's awesome. He's the best. He's the best. Man. He's awesome. Um, but um Bert was saying kind of like John going up, he doesn't lose any technical skills or anything because he's already a big for he was already a big light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So him going up, it's gonna translate even better, you know. So he's not gonna really lose much speed and things of that nature. But his legs are so small. So you know, yeah. <laughs> take a leg kick from from Francis, you're probably gonna be on the ground. You know what I mean? So, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, because we saw that he's like 255 pounds, something like that. We saw videos, but we're like, okay, man, you only do like upper body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, it's don't so, skip so leg funny, day. But, <laughs> like, don't skip leg day. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. But you know what? As long as I don't like John Jones for as a person, uh, he's you know as an athlete, he's amazing. You know, he's it's hard to to it's hard to put him out of the discussion of the greatest of all time too. Uh, for sure, you know, I've, like I said, like I said before, you know, for me, greatest of all time, it's it's uh, it's a complete package. Uh, for me, that's why I don't put him in the, in the greatest of all time. Because as a person, what he did uh, outside the cage, uh, all those things, everybody know know what I'm talking about. Right, right. But I think it was it's a right move for him, you know, to go in a, the to go in a, in, a, in a heavyweight, especially after his last two fights. That it was really, really close that he lost. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, Dominique has won that fight, uh, but you know what? It was, fight, it was close. It was close. It was close. Uh, but you know what? I think that was, uh, it's very smart for him to, to go at, at heavyweight and especially, you know, he's going to have the title fight right away. So, Hey, why not? He is. I mean, I think he, you know, by, you know, in the back of his mind, he's like, give me Stipe. <laughs> I don't think he wants to deal with Francis. I mean, honestly, I mean, him dealing with Francis. Uh, no, I don't know. Nobody that wants to deal with Francis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, especially if he, uh, I don't know how his wrestling is now, but if he's able just to have, you know, a little bit edge of his last, you know, wrestling technique, like about defense, and he's able to keep the fight on the uh, on his feet and, you know, always a defense, the takedown defense, it's going to be, yeah, you don't want to be with him in the cage. Yeah, I agree. Well, especially especially in a small cage, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, in the apex. Yeah, in the apex, you <laughs> definitely don't want him in the apex. Yeah, nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. The apex is a small. I don't know. I forgot how much smaller the cage is. Twenty. It's twenty five feet. Okay, so you yeah. can't run anywhere. <laughs> oh no, man. There's there's no place to hide, man. Trust me. <laughs> So do you actually go like do you you're you're there also um you know at the at the apex they have a spot for you guys to sit as well? Uh no no we all would do that from a studio here in Montreal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, that's dope. I didn't even know that. That's that's good. Yeah, that's before good a couple of years ago, we were traveling a lot. Uh, every time George was fighting or myself, uh, there were they were traveling just to go live. Uh, but uh, since a couple of, since maybe two three years, uh, now we all do that in, uh, in the studio in Montreal. And uh, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. You know, there's a show every weekend. That's <laughs> right. Family now. No, if we have to go every weekend, about. Uh, Now it's always in Vegas or Abu Dhabi, but before I was like everywhere in the world. Uh, you know what? It's you have to leave. Uh, you have to pack your shit uh, every time you're going back home. So for me, it's okay. It's okay to uh, to do that in studio in Montreal. Now that I know that, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to you know do some recaps. Sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh, last question for sure. Now, um, do you think GSP will come back and fight Khabib? Uh, no, no, <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I that I think that's the only way Khabib will fight again is if GSP says, you know what, let's go. All right, GSP too. Uh, there's, there's so many things that, you know, everything has to be in line and there's so many things, you know, first of all, the weight, first of all, the, 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 where the, the place, uh, the date, uh, The money, <laughs> yeah, it's the money. It's that's a that's a big thing. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's not gonna be at 155. George is a very close friend of mine, and he, he said uh, it's gonna be like catch weight if something happened. But George told me he said, listen, if they want to do that fight, they have to call me. I'm not to call them just to beg for a fight. I don't need them. I don't need that. I don't need money. I, I I'm okay. I'm training full time today because still, because that's that's what I like. And trust me, today, George, still, still, it's four years now. He didn't fight in 2017. Today, he's still in my mind able to beat after the roster at 170 with no specific training. Mm -hmm. He's a freak of nature. He's he's like a, man. He's he's unique. That's crazy, man. That guy is was made to be that sport. Was made <laughs> to be a dominant fighter, and that's what he did. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're that you you know all of these guys, and you can just call them and <laughs> talk to them if you wanted to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's crazy. I, me and my brother have been watching UFC since UFC one, and you know what I'm saying. Like when we seen you fight, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I root for you. You know, that's why I reached out to see if I could get an interview. So I appreciate this. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, like, um, you know, um, my brother was a big Anderson Silva fan. So when y'all two were fighting, you know, I was going for you. <laughs> He's going <laughs> for Anderson. But you know what I mean? Like, we just love the we love, you know, the the sport. Um, I followed it ever since then. You know, I'm 37 now. And, um, you know, so I, I watched every time the fights come on. I'm watching. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm watching to see who's coming up, who's next. And so, yeah, um, I just enjoy MMA, you know, uh, period. So, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on, coming on the show, talking to me and things of that nature. Um, do you have anything that you would like to promote, anything you got coming up that we should be looking out for? Oh, but actually, you can follow on my, on my uh, social media on Pat Cote MMA on, on Instagram and uh, Pat underscore Cote on, on Twitter. I'm pretty active on that. So everything is, is that coming in my life, it's pretty there. Like professionally, it, it's right there. 
I'm starting to 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 play in a movie. I'm an actor now too. So it's uh, it's fun. Oh. I'm doing a lot of film. I'm doing a lot of things, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to keep myself busy and uh, taking care of my family. So thank you for having me, man. That was uh, that was very fun. That's awesome, y'all. This is the Predator, Patrick Cote. All right, right here on Happy Hour with Lido. Peace out, y'all. You're, you know who it is, man, the Kid Cortez. Make sure you tap in with that Resolutions album. And at the same time, make sure you lock in with my guy, Happy Hour with Lito. The illest podcast out right now, you heard? Ugh, yeah. We gonna have a little fun with this one. Niggas made it through the struggle on this one. You getting it, I salute you. Let's go. Man, I'm too clean, but I still leave a mess. That boy is drippy, ain't talking about sweat. One type of niggas that came from the bottom and made it through pain and all of the stress. Glass in the air, let's have a toast. We leveled up, we never lost hope. Glass in the air, let's have a toast. We leveled up and we never lost hope. Hey. Look in that bank account, what do I see? I see some bands, they staring at me. But I remember that number was low. Bills coming fast, that money is slow. Get tired of losses, fuck being broke. Had to stay focused, I didn't lose hope. Why they was rapping about bread that they don't even got stayed on my grind and I double my dough. I'm fresh as fuck like I'm straight from the tailor. Shit that I'm wearing is only for players. Didn't even think I would make it this far. Talking this shit like my name is for player. To all the haters, part in my back. That hustle I got, that's something you lack. Toast to the real niggas who never hate it. All of the people that's getting them racks. Man, I'm too clean, but I still leave a mess. That boy is drippy, ain't talking about sweat. One type of niggas that came from the bottom and made it through pain and all of the stress. Glass in the air, let's have a toast. We leveled up, we never lost hope glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up and we never lost hope man i'm too clean but i still leave a mess that boy is drippy ain't talking about sweat one type of niggas that came from the bottom and made it through pain and all of the stress glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up we never lost hope glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up and we never lost hope rejoice we didn't came from the dirt celebrating we still living on nerf we can be in prison or in the hearse had to grind had to put in the work want your bitch you need it all on my shirt want the foreign that i pull off and skirt for right now though the lack truck and the polo still put them hoes on alert suit taylor you can tell by the trim had expensive you can tell by the brim top shelf i'm the creme de la creme born to lose but i learned how to win took losses had to stand like a man learn from it then i came back again born leader never followed the trends had to glow when it came from within fell off are you serious pimp my net worth went up 40 percent same niggas that be bumping they gums same niggas needing help what they rent no hard feelings life is just what you make it big toast to the niggas that hate it destination is a level up excuse me while walking the man i'm too clean but i still leave a mess that boy is drippy ain't talking about sweat one type of niggas that came from the bottom and made it through pain and all of the stress glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up we never lost hope glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up and we never lost hope man i'm too clean but i still leave a mess that boy is drippy ain't talking about sweat one type of niggas that came from the bottom and made it through pain and all of the stress glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up we never lost hope glass in the air let's have a toast we leveled up and we never lost hope hey